Welcome to the Gospel in Lagos, the sermon podcast of City Church. City Church is a community of worshippers and mission. We exist to catalyze a gospel-centered movement that renews Lagos spiritually, socially, and culturally. You can find out more about us at www.citychurchlagos.com. City Church, love Jesus, love people, love Lagos. Um, when I finish, I will say this is the word of the Lord and you are to respond with thanks be to God. Verse 1. Now the whole world had one language and a common speech. As people moved eastward, they found a plain in Shina and settled there. They said to each other, come, let's make bricks and bake them thoroughly. They used brick instead of stone and tar for mortar. Then they said, come, let's build ourselves a city with a tower that reaches to the heavens so that we may make a name for ourselves. Otherwise, we will be scattered over the face of the whole earth. But the Lord came down to the city and the tower the people were building. The Lord said, if as one people speaking the same language, they have begun to do this, then nothing they plan to do will be impossible for them. Come, let us go down and confuse their language so they will not understand each other. So the Lord scattered them from over there, over all the earth, and they stopped building the city. This is why it is called Babel, because there the Lord confused the language of the whole world. From there, the Lord scattered them over the face of the whole head. This is the word of the Lord. Thank you, Awadi. Good morning, everyone. Nice to see us all. Um, if you're here for the first time, we're so happy to have you. You come at a good time when we just started. We've started a new series, but we started that last week. It's a six-part series, and it's dedicated to this city and our life in this city. Um, it's not always a very easy life in Lagos, as some of us would know. And yet we feel and believe that the Bible teaches us to love this city. But what does that mean? Well, that's what we've been looking at in this series. We started last week with something, and so we'll, uh, we'll continue, we'll continue um, uh, today. You know, it reminds me, a couple of years ago, I was doing uh, that thing that we call youth service, and I wasn't doing it in Lagos. Um, it wasn't the... Uh, for as many of you say, you know, how did you get to Lagos or Abuja? Um, the hand of God, but the leg of man. Well, people like us, we are righteous. We don't do all that, those kind of things. So I was serving in River State. And before you think, no, I wasn't serving in Port Harcourt. I was serving in a village in Rivers. And I think one time i just come back from Lagos. I came to do some things in Lagos. And I returned. And I started bemoaning how... You know, Lagos is not the Lagos I used to know. I was talking with a few people who had never been to Lagos. I said, Lagos is not the same Lagos I used to know. Lagos is becoming too crowded. And then I now said something like this. I said, you know what, the, the problem is that too many people are moving into Lagos. To which one guy just said, I beg me, I never come to Lagos. So. And you know, despite, it brought something to me that despite the hardship and the many things we complain about this city, that a lot of people really still want to move here. There's still an allure of Lagos from the various parts of the country. Um, if you want to compare Lagos really to um, New York, you want to compare Lagos to uh, Melbourne, Dubai, Seoul, or Toronto, you know, it doesn't seem like much. 
But if you are comparing Lagos to Gusau, bringing Kebi, Onicha, Asaba, Bori, and of course, Ilorin, um, Lagos is still the city of excellence. It's still where many people come to actualize their dreams. And there's a reason. I think I can give three reasons for it. Just it's three reasons why mega cities have distinguished themselves. When I mean mega cities, I'm talking about global centers where so many people are coming in. Some say um, 10 million and above. They, how they distinguish themselves from other parts, other, other cities, or maybe rural areas. Three things you should think about. One, and this is probably the fundamental one, is, that, is density, or you can call population density. And this represents how close we are to each other. I mentioned some of this last week, but for those who aren't here, when you think about it, Lagos is, in terms of land mass, is 0.4% of Nigeria. 0.4, less than 1% of Nigeria. And yet, 10% of Nigeria's population is here. So on the average, that's 25 more times more. Now, if you want to see that um, in terms of how that works out in that thing that we're all used to and yet we continue to hate, and I don't think it will ever be cured, which is traffic. Um, first of all, Lagos is probably the only city, I think, mega city in the world that probably, that, I don't know, Guatemala City as well, that the main form of transportation is, is road. Now, when you think about that density, and everybody's having to buy a car, um, the national average I hear is somewhere between 11, 15 cars per kilometer. So let's say 13. National average is 13 cars per kilometer. You know what Lagos is in terms of cars? 240 per kilometer. You know, that's why life in Ilori is very pele pele, you know, very, very gentle. And then when you come here, it's like, oh my God, so many cars here, yeah, so many cars because so many people, so many people, and the only form of transport is road. But you see, that density, the fact that we're so close to one another, mandates that we start to talk to each other. And once we start to talk to each other, it starts to, there's a mutual stimulation of ideas. We start to understand, oh, I didn't see that before. Oh, I didn't see that before. And so coming close to each other means that we can stimulate one another with ideas. Second is diversity. Lagos is the most economically diverse religiously diverse, ethnically diverse, and ideologically diverse city in, in the nation. Now, why is that important? It's really because if people belong to one group, whether that's your ethnic group or your ideological group, all you ever think about is something, is the thing that you people already know. In other words, the wealth of your ideas is really just within the tradition that you've always had until someone else comes that does not belong to that group and gives you a different horizon of things you've not seen before. All of a sudden, things you thought, oh, we could only do this this way, is now being challenged, and you are now open up to other ways of thinking. So when we bring diversity across all of these spheres, it pushes us to have greater wealth of ideas. And that's why the brightest people and the brightest ideas are in this city. Finally. Drive. Because we are so many, so many, we have to distinguish ourselves from one another. I don't know how many entrepreneurs are here, but think about how this thing works. You open a, a, smoothie, a smoothie company, right? And you start doing it well, people start liking it, you start 
selling to all the different uh, malls. Before you know it, what happens? Just down in the same mall, you have another smoothie company. They've copied you. And then there are like five that copy the others. And so what you have to do, you have to start to distinguish yourself. It's the same thing with uh, movies. I remember there was a time, just, I'm not saying Lagos now, but just all around, Netflix. Netflix was the, was the thing, streaming, right? Now Amazon is into it, right? Um, huh? Who, Disney is going into it and all those things. Apple. So you have to distinguish yourself. Now, the distinguishing of ourselves then forces what we call competition, right? If you are, if you are into the cleaning business, the question is, why is your cleaning business better than the other person? And so because of that, we are driven to do things better. And so this is how these cities are constructed. This is how the city also runs. But notice I said that fundamental to it is people deciding to settle in a small area before all the other things then lead to that. Now that brings us directly to this text. Because you see in verse 2 of the text, after it said these people were of one language in verse 1, it then says what about them? It says, after they moved eastward, they found a plain in Shina, and they what? Settled there. They decided not to move, not to spread. They decided to settle. And what was the result of that? Verse 4. They said, come, let us build ourselves a city. And so you can see that the, the context of this passage can say a lot to us in our context in Lagos. A dense place, building of a city, but what we would learn is this. It's going to teach us two things. If you try to love Lagos or try to love the city by pursuing it as an idol or pursuing idolatry through it, this would be the wrong way to love the city. However, the way God has said we should love the city is that we strive to achieve the same things, we strive to achieve the things that the city can give us. However, we do it as spirit-filled worshipers of God and witnesses of Jesus Christ. That's how we bless the city. All right, so we're going to look at that. I'm going to unpack that in three, um, uh, three points, through three points. First point, when humans go up. Second point, then God comes down. Third point, and God comes down again and again, all right? When humans go up, then God comes down, and God comes down again and again. So let's start with the first one, when humans go up. Now, as I said in the introduction, that a density of people, and I should have added probably that live in peace, because if, they are, if there's no security, that's a problem. So these people are living in peace. What happens, they tend to make things. Eventually, density, the uh, what's the second one? Diversity and then the drive, it ensures that we make things. And that's what we know. Cities are often, often lead to making things. And so it's no surprise in verse 3, what does it say? Come, let's make something. Bricks, so you know, and um, they use the bricks uh, for stone instead of mortar. So they start construction. And yes, you can see a lot of construction. One of the things that you see in cities is just cranes. You know, these large cranes are always there because there's something always being built. So here, these guys are trying to make things. And what's the thing they're trying to make? Eventually, they're trying to make a city. Let's build a city. 
This is pushing innovation, as you can see. They wanted to do something different. They said, let's they use brick instead of stone and tar instead of mortar. So what you see in a city quite, and I want, I want to point us to this theologically, is not just that people are making things. It's that the one who made them is creator, but he made them in their image. And so if God is creator, he gives us creativity. But God created something that no one had ever made. In other words, he was the ultimate innovator. And so if he's an innovator because we are created in his image, we also innovate. Now, I don't know how you get through um, the city of Lagos, how you make it through. Like, sometimes, you know, the traffic, sometimes somebody is just unnice. How do you make it through? How do you keep your sanity? Now, yes, as Christians, we pray, we do all of those. But I think there's more. I'll give you some examples, actually. I do think all the different professions help. So let's take in this city where we have lots of songwriters, Singers. So let's say you are living in Ajegunle. I don't know how many of us know Ajegunle, right? Ajegunle, um, somewhere on the mainland, known to be um, one of the uh, very, very, it was one of the, it's still probably the most famous uh, slum, but even though it's a little bit more middle class nowadays. But anyway, Ajegunle, life could be hard and all of those things, but particularly in the 90s to early 2000s, most of the, most, uh, the popular songs in Nigeria were coming from where? In fact, it was called AJ, right? Ajegunle. So here you have this person going through, living life in Ajegunle, and things are very hard. But then Daddy Fresh and Daddy Shoki show, show up. You know, somebody called my name. Yes. What's happening there? In the, on the one hand, we, even though there is a lot of difficulty, the creativity that comes from being in the image of God is displayed in people writing songs, writing about their experiences, and in that way, imaging this creator. So when we look around us, we have architects, civil engineers, visual artists, singers, songwriters, f fashion designers, entertainers, comedians, entrepreneurs, all trying to build the city, not just the city's buildings, but the city's culture as well. Quite often when, you know, you, you, and I know a lot of us do this at work. May God forgive you for it. Um, but, you know, when stuff isn't flowing, it's just not flowing. Ideas aren't flowing at work. Or you're feeling like you want to sleep. What do you do? You bring out your phone. You go to Instagram. You look for just too funny. How many of us know? Yeah, I still, may God help me. I still saw him this morning. All right? And I shouldn't have been. I should have been paying for my sermon. All right? Or, well, no, he's not in Lagos. William Zuchimba, that guy that always has this inflection of his voice. He always gets me. I'm always laughing. I, I don't know why. But sometimes they just make life that much bearable for you. Just that much bearable. Like, you know what? Hey, this hardship is in everything. And I'm trying to say in many ways, this is God's gift to us. That is people, fashion designers, you look around. One of the things I love about the city is that the city isn't dull. Right? Look here, I'm seeing red, I'm seeing green, I'm seeing yellow. It's stimulating your eyes. Imagine we're living in a communist state. And we're all told to wear gray. Like, that's what used to happen. You're all told to wear a gray uniform, everything the same. All the buildings are rectangle, rectangular, and they all have the same, 
the same shape, and all across one row. Just your look. The people are already oppressing you, but your eyes are oppressing you as well. Part of God's gift for us is that as we build the city, we build culture, and that culture makes it easier for us to live in, even though there is hardship. Amen? And yet, having said all of that, the city has a dark side to it as well. Because if you look at verse 4, not only does it say, let us make ourselves a city, it gives you two reasons, twofold reasons as to the motivation for why they built the city. Can you go back to verse 4? Follow the so that. It says, let us make ourselves a city. I built tower, get back to the tower. But it says, so that, what did he say after that? So that we may make a name for ourselves. Otherwise, we will be scattered over the face of the whole earth. We may make a name for ourselves. Or we will be scattered over the face of the earth. So two things that you see there. One, name making. And two, scattering prevention. Let's take the first one. Name making. If you think that achieving people's, the achievement of your dreams or the fact that I just want to flourish. What, that was the reason why this guy moved from Abba all the way to Lagos. He just wanted to flourish. Things were hard. He felt he had talent, let him come from Abba all the way to Lagos. What this text tells us is that, no, that's actually, there's more to it. In fact, how do we know there's more to it? Look at what he says after he says, let us build ourselves a city. He says, with a tower that reaches to the heavens. With a tower that reaches to the heavens. What is that tower? Well, it was called a ziggurat. We have some pictures um, of it. It was a staircase structure, a staircase, well, it was solid brick, lofty, and a staircase structure, which was used as a temple. Now, notice the staircases that are leading up, up, and then it gets up to, sorry, this picture isn't great, but it then gets up to a shrine way at the top. That shrine you can see is painted in, is painted in blue enamel. You can go to the next picture. So if you are looking at it really from, this is a real ziggurat, can you see how the heavens, the way it's, it's situated and the way you move and it's, you're almost literally, as you're looking up, it's as though you are ascending into the heavens. Well, literally, that's what it was meant to. It was man ascending into heavens, but the name was also, they saw it as a gateway of the gods. So the gods descended as well. In fact, in ancient um, Akkadian language, Babel meant the gateway or the residence of the gods. So the ziggurat was a way for the gods to come down, but guess what? It was also a way for men to ascend up. It was a way, if you like, for the men to become gods. So at the very center of the city, the very center of the city was this symbol of them trying to become gods. And they're saying this is the reason why this city exists. It's at the center. They wanted to make a name for themselves apart from God. If I ask you, why is it that a city exists? Or how do you know what a city exists? You say, well, let's say um, Silicon Valley as a city, where all the, um, a lot of technological things have, have come out from. So that's Facebook's headquarters, Google's headquarters, 
Microsoft headquarters, you know, PayPal's headquarters. So you say, oh, why does Silicon uh, Valley exist? Well, it exists for, um, uh, uh, for technology. No, you'll be wrong. Technology is a means. It exists for, right now, worldwide domination. You see, every city has at its center the reason it exists, something that humans crave for ultimate significance. I'll say that again. Every city exists for something that human beings crave for ultimate significance. That is our God. So there's a list here that will give you of different cities in the world. I've taken it from a book called Why Cities Matter. And let's look at them. So Boston, for instance. Boston, where you've got Harvard, MIT, and some of the top universities in the world. Well, exactly. Top universities in the world. Why do you think? In Boston, it's not who you know, it's what you know. Right? Is this person, is this research going to get this guy a Nobel Prize? Knowledge is worshipped there. That's what the economy is built on. You think about Washington, D.C., okay, if that's too far, think of Abuja. Right? When you think of Abuja, what is everybody feeding from Abuja? The we call it the national cake. Have you had your slice? It tastes very good. But it's power. The structures around it, not just the political offices, the lobbyists, everyone is doing something. It's about who you know and what your position is. San Francisco, the city of, pro, of, of, of progressivism, equality, they have more morally wacky ideas than you can think about. It's like if you want to know what the world, the depraved world can look like in 50 years, don't go into a time machine, just go to San Francisco. Beijing politics, Sydney, pleasure, being at the beach, or London influence, Geneva, peace. Who would have thought that peace is an idol? But believe me, peace, as some would say, is very, very lucrative. Just go to Geneva, where all the head, uh, many of the NGOs of the world, big ones, are, their headquarters is in Geneva. Peace rules everything. There's peace there, but there's no peace in the Middle East till now. And they've made a lot of money from the peace that they are chasing from there, chasing, that they're trying to achieve in the Middle East. Singapore order, Los Angeles image, Dubai success, Cairo revolution. Cairo has had revolutions and revolutions upon revolutions. If you ever want to be a president, pray that God doesn't send you to Cairo. You're probably your head will go out or you'll be, you'll be banished. And then New York success. For those who are not in the first service, what do you think Lagos' own was? And in the book, they put it there. And they wrote the book in 2012, 2013. I met one of the authors and I thought, spot on, you got it. What do you think Lagos' idol is? Any? No guesses? If you're into the first service. Go ahead. Go ahead. Money. Okay. Wealth. Fame. Anybody else? I, I, we we're close. We're close. But there it is. Progress. See? Progress. Right. Progress. Now, don't forget. What is the ultimate significance the economy runs on that? We even have it in an expression. Ego what? Ego better. What does that ego better mean? It means where I am now is not where I'm going to be. But where I'm going to be, go better past where I am now. How do you get to that place? You progress. This is why parties in Lagos are huge. You know, Monday to Friday, 
Traffic, yes. Traffic, but Saturday is the worst traffic day of the, of the entire week. Monday to Friday, you know when the traffic is. Traffic is 6.30 to about 9 o'clock, and then starts picking up about 3.30 to the... But Saturday, after 10 a.m., traffic everywhere. Why? Because everybody's going for a party. Someone's 70th, someone's 50th. Someone's first, you know, first year old birthdays is not really for the children, it's for the parents. Then someone's death. Someone's memorial, the two-year memorial of the death. Someone's, but what are we trying to do? It's very simple. Five years ago, I invited you to my party. You know, I didn't have much then, but at least I could throw a party, right? And the people that were at the front table, you know, the main table, front table, that time they had malt, right? If you were somebody, we gave you malt. All the other people there drank Fanta at the back. In front, you know, we gave them meat and chicken. All the other people at the back, you know what it is now. No, no, it's pomo with hair on top of it. Not just pomo, but with hair. You know your life is... But five years after, you go what? You go better. Now, malt is being served at the back. In front, we are giving them wine. We are giving them juice, not juice. Juice, we are giving them, why? Because levels have what? Changed, moved up. Do you understand? Before, they were eating pomo at the back and meat and fish in front. Now, at the back, they are eating meat. Now, sorry, they were eating chicken and meat. Now, in front, they're eating different types of fish. You understand? And, then, and, and we don't even mind. They can't even waste the food, self. As they can't finish it, you bring another. Bring more wine. Progress. That's what our parties are all about. Before, it was inside my compound. Now, I'm taking the whole street. And I don't care what the neighbors say. Because I better pass. Progress. Oh, we see it. What do you think? Uh, the, we have our own cigarettes. What do you think our malls are? There was a time we didn't have malls in Lagos. All of a sudden now, we have one. We first had the one on the island. But just to show that Lagos now is getting better, we now have one on the mainland that we now have in different places. Before, we used to shop in different markets and everything. But now we shop in ShopRite because I don't have time to eat. We are progressing. You say, oh, okay, I, I think I get it. The religion should be at the center, so Christianity is at the center. No, even our churches pay homage to our God. Because if I come today, now, today is um, October what? 20th. So we're getting towards the end of the year. No, it's around this time, people like us, men of God, we start to receive word for next year. So it's, it's been coming, but um, a slight delay. Michael is fighting the, the prince of, uh, that's bringing the word. That's bringing the word to me. But, but I've already started sensing what the word could be. Do you understand? Can you, can you is somebody feeling it? So I, I feel that next year is going to be a year of ascension. Do you understand? Ascension. Ascend. Or for many of you, you've wanted to go forward, but there are obstacles in your way that you need to break through. So the thing that is stopping your progress is that you haven't received a breakthrough. So your year of breakthrough is coming, amen? You see, when we say all of these things and we do all of these things, what, we're, what are we doing? We are paying homage to our city's idol. The economy, the organized religion, 
our social interaction and friendships is all built around it. We are trying to make our names for ourselves. And this leads very much to the second point where they said that they did not want to be scattered. Because when we are trying to make our name, a name for ourselves, we are also indicating something. We are rebelling against God. Let me quickly show you. In verse 1 and verse 2, where, what was the direction they were moving in? It says they were moving eastward, right? Isn't it? The people moved eastward. Now, on the one hand, that is true historically. But why is the writer of Genesis putting it there? If you're a careful reader of the book of Genesis, you will see that that has already occurred twice. In Genesis 3, when man, Adam and Eve, had rebelled against God, God said in Genesis 3.24, he put a cherub and with a flaming sword east of Eden, and then he banished them. So for them to go out, they had to move eastward, Genesis 3.24. After he drove the man out, he placed them on the east side of the Garden of Eden. Uh, he placed on the east side of the Garden of Eden, cherubim, and a flaming sword flashing back and forth to guard the way of the tree of life. Or the next chapter, Cain, who was the first child of Adam and Eve, now Adam and Eve under sin, rebelled by killing his brother. And when God came and confronted him, oh, my, my punishment is too much for me. Oh, how can you do all of this to me? What does it say in verse 17? In verse 17, uh, 16. So Cain went out from the Lord's presence and lived in the land of Nod, where? East of Eden. The movement east was, in Genesis, a movement away from the presence of God, signifying a move, a move towards rebellion against him. But there's more. When God, because sin multiplied in all of the world, he judged the world through a flood in the time of Noah. At the end of the day, there were eight of them that were left. God commanded them with something. He said this, and it repeats something that he had said in Genesis chapter 1. Then God blessed Noah and his son, saying to them, be fruitful and increase in number and fill the earth. Moving eastward away from the presence of God. But God says, fill the earth. What did they say they wanted to do? Settle. Should where their hearts were. Their hearts were rebelling against God. And so the move there and the building was always never for God, but to build a name from themselves. Get it right, guys. It's not that God's against the construction of cities. But what these people were doing, they were repeating the same sin of Cain in Genesis chapter 4. It is trying to attach security and safety, this show of human pride that takes security and safety outside, apart from God. Cain in Genesis 4.17, Cain made love to his wife and she became pregnant and gave birth to Enoch. Cain was then building a city and he named it after who? Enoch. Thank God. It's not that progress is bad. Of course, progress, the Bible never celebrates poverty anywhere. So progress is not bad. Again, as I said, in trying to um, 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 express ourselves as image, um, image bearers of God, the talents God has given to us, the skills he's given to us, he wants us to grow in them. So progress is not bad. 
But when progress becomes your ultimate significance, when progress becomes a substitute God for you, then you are rebelling against God. So let me ask you, why are you in this city? What are you trying to achieve in this city? Through your business, through your relationships, what is it? Those social networks, those, well, nobody uses complimentary cards again. But those people, those, when you say, I have this person's phone number, I have that person's phone number, for what reason? Are you trying to seek glory for yourself? Are you trying to make a name for yourself? I mean, for maybe um, some of us that don't work in the for-profit sector, get away. I would say to ministry, and I, on my best days, I ask myself that question. Because don't get it wrong, though. If you want to make it big in ministry also, you live, if you had one church in Ogbomosho somewhere uh, under the tree with a hot, I don't know, okay. They have more than huts in Ogbomosho, right? All right, they do. I, I, they see the way they are looking at me. It's my fault. All right. You have a church there. It's wonderful, but many guys can't wait until they get to the big city so that they can gather people of means. Don't think it's just a temptation for people who are outside of church. It is a huge temptation for people in ministry as well. Why are you doing this? Whose name are you trying to build? Is there a ziggurat in your own heart? Because if your answer is yes to all of those, then we are making a huge mistake that has both personal and collective consequences. Now, I've spoken a lot about the idol of the city. We'll talk a little bit more now about our own personal idols. Let's go to the second point. Then God comes down. Second point. Now, in verses 1 to 4, it was people speaking. Now, in verse 5 to 7, it's going to be Yahweh speaking. And what does he do in verse 5? He comes down. All of a they are building this woo, high tower to God. And it says in the text, literally, and this is a pun, he has to come down to see it. So much for their ascent. Look, the fact that God is pleased with what you are doing doesn't mean he's impressed with it. Let's make that distinction. But anyway, he comes down to see it. And the question is, when God comes down, if God comes down to this our city of Lagos, what is, it, what is he going to see in our city and our religion? Because he comes down to look at the tower as well as the city they're building. And what he sees in Babel is grievous to him. Now, I want us to track the progress of, of what's happening here using certain categories, right? Three categories. We're going to look at um, human, human um, language, human purpose, and human mobility, all right? Now, at Babel, at Babel here, how many languages did they have? One, all right? And what is their purpose? We found out that the purpose is built on rebellion against God. But are they scattered or are they settled? At Babel, they were settled, all right? That's where we are, amen? All right, we'll be tracking this along. So God comes down. What does he notice? Verse 6, he notices that this, their one language, is actually the means through which they can achieve this, their one rebellious purpose. If, as one, verse 6, if, as one people speaking the same language, they have begun to do this, then nothing they plan to do will be impossible for them. Do you see that? Nothing they plan to do will be impossible for them. Many times when I was young, I read that and I thought, that means if they were given the chance, they will actually have reached heaven. 
no matter how much I believe the Bible has fallen, that always just seemed a far, a too far, you know, a stretch. And but it seemed like that. Now I don't know how many of you have seen the Burj Khalifa, which is the tallest building in the world, right? There are no clouds around it, and this is after how many like four, three, four thousand years of uh, five thousand years of technological revolution, right? We've still not reached there. That's not what it's saying. The purpose that they have was not necessary to build a building to ascend into where God is, as though you can use physical means to get there. The purpose was the rebellious purpose of building a city for themselves totally, fully apart from God. That is, they wanted to achieve full self-sufficiency, full autonomy. They were already rebellious, but they wanted to reach the apex of their rebellion. We want to, whatever you see in a city, if, look, if you are building, um, uh, if you are building, let's say, some kind of technology in, let's say, I don't want to be abusing, uh, give me a, 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 a town you don't like. Oh my, what kind of question was that? I didn't <laughs> So let's say you are trying to build uh, some kind of technology in Ijebuibo, all right, since that's what you guys, you guys don't like that place, of course it's a, it's a bush place. What kind of place puts Igbo? Igbo means bush. Ijebu Igbo, from, that's where Yemi, Yemi went, from whence Yemi came from. You will never fully be able to scale. Yemi will be happy. You'll be building that technology there. It's great. But if he wanted to scale it, if he wanted to reach its apex, he will move to a mega city. He will look for angel investors. He will look for better programmers. He will move to a city. So the city, yes. So the city is usually where we're able to scale and reach the apex of the achievements we want to achieve. Sadly, though, it's the same thing with sin. It's the same thing with rebellion. They, it was not enough that they were moving eastward. All of a sudden, they now say, you know what, let's come. Ah, they're moving into stages. And now let us continue to build. Let's build this tower. Let us reach full autonomy. And this is why many times in cities, and sadly, I think, Christians have not always reacted well to cities, but there's something here. That is, it's, cities are always seen as cesspools of wickedness, cesspools of rebellion, so much crime, all of those things, but also just moral decadence. You know there are places designated around the world that are called sin cities, sin cities all around the world, right? Uh, Bangkok is one of them, where many vices are allowed. So take somewhere like Vegas, Las Vegas, right? Vegas, where you have gambling, a lot of prostitution. You know what they say? What happens in Vegas? Stays in Vegas. How many of us have been to Vegas before? Oh my God. Oh my God. I, I, are you guys going to tell me what happened there? No. All right. People elope there. Is that how you guys got married against your parents? No, no, I'm sure not. But sin increases, it reaches the apex. What they were trying to do was to reach its apex. And so what you find is that God looks at this and says, I am not going to allow this. So God comes down in judgment. And what does he do in verse 7? Come, let us go down. Don't forget, they said, come, let us make bricks. But what we find that they were making with bricks is they wanted to make a name. Now God is now summoning. He now said, come, he's talking to the heavenly council, come, let us go down and confuse their language so that they will not understand each other. The language helped them to achieve the particular purpose. So God is saying there's rebellion in their hearts, 
and they have one language, so that makes them understand one another, and so they can achieve what they want to achieve. So we're going to stop them from achieving what they want to achieve by confusing their language. And so God confused their language, and in verse 8 he says, that stopped them from building the city. God put a restraint on it. However, notice that their hearts were not changed. They were scattered, as he says in verse 8 and verse 10, they were scattered, but even as they were scattered, their hearts didn't change. The language was now not, oh, they have a diverse language. When he says, let us confuse their language, it meant also, let us confuse them. They will no longer be united because they do not have the same language. So all of a sudden, they start to be against each other. Let's take up the table again. So where are we? So after Babel, now they are divided in their language. They are still united in their rebellious hearts. But what happens? They are now scattered. And we find this in cities, especially here in Lagos. Not only do we have different languages and we are we divided, sometimes we are more united here in Lagos than other places, but not only are we divided in our ethnic languages, we are also divided in our socioeconomic languages. We are divided in our ideological languages, in our religious languages. And so even though there is the idol of the city, you also have your own personal ziggurat in your heart. So I am pursuing wealth as an idol, but somebody else is also pursuing wealth. So let's say I am Emmanuel's boss, as I am. <laughs> Emmanuel is pursuing wealth, wealth, I'm pursuing wealth. But because we are divided, this could lead me, because this is my God, even though on the one hand I care for, I said this Emmanuel, I care for him, all of those things, when he's doing good and he's making me more money. At some point, if I think I can get more money by cheating Emmanuel, guess what I'm going to do? I'll cheat him. If I feel that Emmanuel should be giving me more, and so I take his leave away, his child, his second child is about to be uh, 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 born, and I say, sorry, you can't go. Did you take the leave? You can't go. We need to finalize this contract. I'll treat him harshly. The division that comes, in our, the, the, the rebellion in our heart, and then the division that we have in our language leads to terrible consequences. What if you're the kind of person who your personal idol is approval? You want the approval of all people. And so, Tomoa gave you approval one day, but he didn't give you approval for what you did the other day. And so you start to exaggerate your philanthropy in front of him so that he can give you the approval. Because you always want him to say something good about you. Or let's say that you are someone who craves the approval of men romantically. And so you give your body away cheaply. You see, when we are united with rebellion against God in our hearts, but divided in ourselves, the things that we try to achieve, they turn against us. One of the paradoxes of the city is, as I said last week, you have more of God's image per square meter in the city, and as well, this is the paradox, you have more of sin's manifestation per square meters also in the city. On the one hand, we are showing the image of God. On the other hand, we are showing sinful humanity. And so wealth creation, which is a good thing, leads to gross inequality. 
Artistic creativity, another good thing, often leads to moral obscenity. Entertainment notoriety, which is not a bad thing as well, often leads to celebrity idolatry. Fashion ingenuity often leads to borderline nudity. And social activism often leads to moral superiority. Maybe I met some of these great social, social justice activists. Great, achieving a cause, and yet they think that everybody else is a terrible person because they're not as passionate about what their cause is than they are. Do you understand? And so this division also, because our hearts are not changed, our hearts are still rebellious, often leaves our cities. When God looks at it, he is not pleased. But I do want to say something about God's judgment here. That his judgment actually brings mercy in two ways. First of all, notice what God did not do. When God said, let's come down and confound their language, you know what God could have done? Let's come down and destroy all of them. And you say, could he really do it? Uh, just read five chapters before, right? He did it with the flood. He just killed everyone and left eight people. He could have done that, but he didn't. The second thing is that because it stopped them building what they wanted to build, it meant that even though they could, be, they could achieve a certain level of rebellion, God stopped it. In other words, he was giving them a second chance. His judgment came with mercy. And so when you look down and we look at our city and the divisions and all of the things I just said, the ways we still rebel against God as we're achieving many things, the question is this, what hope do we have? What hope do we have? I think, I wish that God could come down again. And that if he came down again, he will come down again in similar ways with judgment, but that is tempered with mercy. I hope he will do that. But I hope that when he comes down in judgment and mercy, he's able to change our hearts in such a way where we will not rebel against him, we will not be for our name, we will not be for his own name. And I also hope that if he were to come down again, this time he will not scatter us through judgment, he will scatter us by blessing us. I wish God came and did that. But you know the thing about wishes? If wishes were horses, beggars were right. How will God come down again? Except, of course, that's precisely what he does. That takes me to my third point. Then God comes down again and again. And I want us to rush through the book of Luke. The book of Luke helps us with this. I'm just going to rush through some, um, some of the verses. The book of Luke tells us God's solution to all of this. Because indeed, when God comes and he looks down now, not just at Babel, but what does Babel become? Babel, that you see, becomes Babylon, that great city, rebellious city. But before Babylon, there was Nineveh. And after Babylon, there was Athens. And after Athens, there was Rome. And after Rome, there was Constantinople. After Constantinople, there was, I don't know, give me all the European cities, all these rebellious cities. And also, there is Lagos. What hope do they have? Well, God looks down, and guess what? He comes down again. In fact, he comes down in a city. Luke chapter 2, verse 10. It says that he's born in the city of David. For unto us is born today in the city of David a Savior, who is Messiah, the Lord. That Savior is God come as a human being. 
I said, well, that's not quite that's not judgment. Well, that Savior does a lot of wonderful things. He does them outside of Jerusalem, which is a city. But then he says, I must go to Jerusalem in Luke chapter 13, verse 33. Why? He says, because surely no prophet can die outside of Jerusalem. I thought it was God come as a man. Why is he talking about dying? His disciples also thought the same thing. But he went to Jerusalem. And when he went to Jerusalem, eventually he died a criminal's death. And the Bible tells us in Isaiah chapter 53 that it pleased the Lord. It was God himself that was judging him. So wait, 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 this is a little bit. I thought you said it was God that came as a human being. How is God judging God? Well, remember, as Christians, we believe God is one, but he's three persons. One being three persons. So the second person of that God was the one that became a human being. And so why was he judged? Listen, he was judged because of every time we try to make a name for ourselves. Every time we try to make a name for ourselves, we sin, and that sin requires his judgment. But he now didn't lay it upon us. You know who he laid it upon? Himself. And so that judgment came upon him so that he can show mercy to all those who now no longer live for themselves but live for him. This is what he explained to his disciples after he died and rose again in chapter 24 of Luke. Listen to what he says, and I want us to hear very closely. He says, he told them, this is what is written. The Messiah will suffer and rise from the, third, from the dead on the third day, and repentance for the forgiveness of sins will be preached where? In what? Did you read it? No, you're not reading our Bible because we don't do that again. Repentance for the forgiveness of sins will be preached in his name. What were they trying to do? They were trying to make a name for themselves in the city. And all of a sudden, God is saying, as I'm bringing this good news, how you repent is repent from trying to make a name for yourself and now stand in the name of my son. I don't know if any of us here is not a Christian. Can I ask you? I'm not talking about whether you've been to church all your life. I'm not talking about whether you sing gospel songs. I'm not talking about whether gospel music is your ringtone. I'm asking this. Have you been living for your name exclusively? Well, there's another name that you can live for. A much more glorious name. A name who, of someone who died for your sins so that you can live again. Now, it says that good news... The good news of that person who died, that God who came and died, he says, I want that good news to now spread through all nations, but it starts in a city, Jerusalem. He says, repentance and forgiveness of sins will preach in his name to all nations, beginning where? At Jerusalem, born in a city, died in a city. And now he's saying, my good news, resurrected in the city, and my good news should go to all nations from this city. But how will it then go from that city to other cities? Well, he tells us in verse 48 to 49. You are witnesses of these things, of his resurrection, of his death. And now I'm going to send you what the Father has promised, but stay in the city until you have been clothed with power from on high. Until you have been clothed with what? Power from on high. Can I tell you something? 
if we want to change this city, if we want to make this city flourish, if we want to see it turn around for good, we need power. I don't think you're hearing me. We need what? Power. In fact, I will tell you this. There has never been a time at the turn of the 20th century, 1900, do you know how many of, um, how many of, the, um, of, of the entire Africa was, was Christian? 10%. As of today, do you know how much of Africa is Christian? Over 50%. 20 years ago, the moral fiber of this city was not as bad as it is now. And yet, in that same time, we have exponentially increased in number of Christians. There is a problem. And I'll tell you what that problem is. We do not have power. God, Jesus explicitly told his disciples, for you to be effective witnesses, power has to come. And so Paul says, look, there are so many people that have a form of godliness, but they do what? They deny the power thereof. They are meant to be witnesses of me, but their lies show that they do not have my power. For you to be an effective witness, for you to love the city properly, you need power from on high. We have to be careful when we're talking about this power. Let's be explicit. What is this power? Well, he tells us the means. Because Luke tells us in his second book. His first book is the gospel according to Luke. The second book is the book of Acts. So let's quickly go there because some remarkable things happen there. In Acts chapter 1, Jesus in verse 8 repeats what he says here, but he expands a little bit. Acts 1.8. Remember he says power is going to come for you to be witnesses? He tells us how that power comes. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and the ends of the earth. The gospel was meant to go to the ends of the earth, but it was meant to go through people who were filled with the Spirit to go to not just Jerusalem, but to all the cities of the world. I hope you understand. If Jesus is God come as a man physically, the Holy Spirit is God come into man spiritually. And he's coming for us to bear witness to God come physically to all the world, including our city. And so I want to finish with something that remarkably happened in Acts chapter 2 that links us all the way back to Babel. In Acts chapter 2, the Holy Spirit is now going to descend. And some remarkable things happen in this city of Jerusalem because it is at a feast called Pentecost, a Jewish feast called Pentecost. So, so many Jews who are not ethnically Jews, but maybe they were born as Gentiles, but they now start to worship the God of the Jews. They come all from the Roman Empire to Jerusalem for this feast at Pentecost. So you have Jews who speak Aramaic, Hebrew, whatever. But you also have Jews who don't speak the language. They speak different languages from where they are. And that's the setting. And so what then happens? I'm going to read some verses from Acts chapter 2. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in tongues as the Spirit enabled them. That's 120 of them waiting for the Spirit to come. Now they were staying in Jerusalem, God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. And what did those people who gathered, what did they say when they heard these people speaking in tongues or speaking in different languages? They said, aren't all these 
who are speaking Galileans. Then, how is it that each of us from all these different places hears them in our native language? We hear them declaring the wonders of God in our own tongues. What happened at Babel? At first, we start with people united with one language. They are united with one rebellious purpose, and they settle. But now, after Babel, what happened? We have them divided in their language. They are united in their rebellious purpose, but they are now scattered. And Pentecost is the fulfillment of everything. Please hear very closely. At Pentecost, there are people with different languages. They understand different languages. God does not obliterate the language, but God pours out his spirit and so that even though they have different languages, they have a new purpose. They are not about singing their own glories, but they are declaring the wonderful works of God. And so from that, as the spirit is poured out, God says, now that you have a different motivation, seeking my own glory, now that you have a different message, the message of my son, even though you have different languages, I can send you out with my blessing. Where God once scattered them with judgment, and that judgment became confusion with the different languages, all of a sudden now, he is sending them out with blessing. And so that the languages turn not to division but diversity. Do you know what Lagos needs? Lagos needs different people of different socioeconomic languages, of different, um, of different genders, of different ethnic languages, all filled with the same spirit to speak the word of God with boldness, to live out as effective witnesses, and to show this city that we may be divided in all of these things, but as long as we are united in purpose and not rebelling against God, we can make for ourselves a flourishing city. We can make for ourselves a city whereby we bring our density and our diversity and our drive. We make this city a place that is better for us, a place where we can find to be more comfortable. And as we are seeking all of this, we are not going after our own personal idols or our city's idols. In fact, we are confronting it so that the city may flourish. In order for us to love Lagos, we not only have to have a different motivation, we have to have a different name we are trying to spread, but we also have to have the power of the Holy Spirit. So I ask you again, why are you here? Are you seeking your own glory? Or are you seeking to declare the wonderful works of the Lord in this city? After the Spirit descended, Peter preached the gospel. After that, Paul took the gospel to all the different cities of the world. Now we are in this city. God is asking you, take it out. Transform. Love the city. Spread the name of my son. And live as witnesses to his death and resurrection. Let us pray. Thank you for listening to the gospel in Lagos. We pray you've been blessed by this message. To learn more about City Church, visit www.citychurchlagos.com. City Church, love Jesus, love people, love Lagos.